You know, as we think about Back to School Sunday, and we realize, of course, that as with everything else in 2020, it, it's a little weird. It's a little different. I mean, we've got part of us here and part of us at home. And, you know, how, how we're going to go about all of this uh, reminded me of another weird thing that Jesus did. Jesus did a lot of weird things. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter 19, and I want you to follow along. We're at about verse 13. Jesus did this weird thing. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Then the children were brought to him, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a weird thing in, in the ministry of Jesus that, you know, this beloved rabbi, here he was, and he was, he was trying to um, make an impact and all of these little children wanted to come and see Jesus. And the disciples said, no, 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 don't bother the rabbi. Don't bother the rabbi. Now, we would expect this in the world. The world hates children. I mean, I mean they kind of, but they, they really don't. They, they exploit them. There's trafficking. They try to, to, to take away their innocence. They don't love children at all. And in some cases, they try to, to, to eliminate them before they come into the world. The world hates children, so we expect that from the world. But sometimes and sometimes religious folks are kind of eh, you know, tolerate kids, but not really a big fan of them. And this was the case with the disciples. Oh, what are you doing here? Get the kids out of here. Isn't there like a, a, a little kid training hour or something like that? Can we get them out of here? So don't bother the teacher. But this scripture in Matthew chapter 19 reminds us of something. Though it's weird. The children matter to Jesus. They matter to him. He created them. He knows their, the number of hairs on their heads, the thoughts of their little minds and their hearts. He values them long before even their parents or grandparents do. He loves them. And he wants his people to value children as well. To value the next generation. And that, in part, is why we do what we do today. As we come back to, to back to school Sunday, in, in admittedly a weird world. I mean, there are some schools that are starting here in a few days or Several that aren't starting for several weeks, you know, we're like, how do we do back to school Sunday on a year where we don't know what back to school looks like? That's weird. But the value hasn't changed. Northside wants to be, do you understand? We want to be an intergenerational church. I, I sometimes use the phrase intentionally intergenerational. Purposeful in our desire to not have a generation gap. I mean, there's going to be a generation gap, but, but we do our best to have the generations come together. You see, if you've been around to other churches, you know there are some churches, they're the cool church. Uh, cool churches are cool. I mean, there, there's, there's nobody there pretty much over the age of 40. 
mean, because, I mean, really, anybody over 40, what do they have to offer, right? I mean, it's a cool church. I mean, there's enthusiasm, there's, there's energy, there's, there's all these creative ideas. A cool church. We're not cool church. Unapologetically. That's not what we're trying to do. There's some churches where there's nobody under 60. There's a lot of wisdom there. A lot of experience, but there's no energy. There's no influence. The kids' classes are empty. Oh, it's awful quiet during worship, but, but there's no hope that that church will be around for a long time. You see, between those two extremes is where God wants us, right in the middle. To be intentionally intergenerational, to be cross-generational. A, a quick glance at Scripture will tell us why. If you care to follow along, we're going to track this through the Old and the New Testament. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Well-known Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 6. The, 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 the words to God's people, laying out the law and the, the, the structure, the commands, but, but, but laid within this, uh, the, the great commands... The great commandment to to, to love one another, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right after that, these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God wanted his people not only to know him now, presently, but to continue communicating and sharing that message of his word, of his hope, of what he had done with future generations. God called his people, old and new, Israelites and and the church today, to be faithful in teaching and telling the next generation. Go go to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Of course, uh, we know that Joshua is a great leader of God and and what he did. And, and of course, in this context, Joshua chapter 4, they're crossing the Jordan and the the miracle that that was and the water separating. and, and, And in the middle of that, God called them to do this weird thing. So I want, you to, I want you to take some stones. I want you to pull them out of the Jordan. I want you to bring them over to the side. That sounds kind of weird. What, what, what's the purpose of that? Jeff and Ben talked this morning about memorials, uh, the memorial that we partake of, the Lord's Supper. And the, the importance, and Jeff specifically talked about how that moment could be used to teach and to train our children. That's always been the case. That's what God desires for his people is that they not only have it for themselves, but they make sure that they are teaching and training the generations that come after them. Joshua chapter 4, verse 21 through 24, the scripture says this. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. You think about that. What, what do you let your children know? I've got a son who's, uh, you know, a couple of years away from flying the nest. And I've started asking people, okay, who, who've already been through this phase, what, did, what, was, what was it And that moment when your little one flew the nest and you sent him off to college, what are the things that came to your mind that you had forgot 
that you, oh, we never covered that. We never talked about that. You know what God says in Joshua chapter 4? Here's what I want you to let your children know. Back to the verse. Let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. But the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God had this moment. He said, I want you, I want you to have this pile of rocks that you're walking by, that you're traipsing past, that are, that are people, all the kids that are playing. Oh, yeah, see the big tile of stones by the Jordan? What does that mean? Why are those rocks? That looks kind of strange. Well, here's what my dad told me. He told me that years ago, the entire nation went through that river on dry ground. No kidding. My dad didn't tell me that. He wanted this focal point in their lives to not just remind them of where they were today, but where God had brought them from yesterday. Like Ben said, humans are prone to forget. So we need these reminders and we need people who are intentional about reminding them. I mean, this, as thinking about this table here, when you share that with your children, be they Christians or not, as you're opening your cups together, as you're, as you're passing your contraband communion. I know some of you bring in your own. You don't like those little styrofoam wafers. As you're sharing that, as you're sharing it at home on the, on the couch, do you talk about what God did? Or is it just a moment? Just God calls his people and has always called his people to these kind of weird little moments of remembering and passing on the message. And God calls his people to do this to the next generation. And this is important, okay? This is important not because it's back to school Sunday, but pay attention to what happened to God's people. If you're following along in the Bible, some of you are and appreciate that, but if you're following along, turn to Judges chapter 2. Because here is the result of kids who were never told the story. Joshua chapter 2 verse 10. After that. Now this is just right after Joshua, okay? This is after the, the, the leadership is changing in the nation of Israel. Here's what Judges tells us. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another, this, this verse breaks my heart. Another generation grew up who neither knew who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. You see the consequence of not having these memorial moments, the consequence of not being intentionally intergenerational, the consequence is this: a whole generation growing up not knowing the Lord, and not knowing what he had done. Now, we can pick on the Israelites, okay? It's not hard to do. There are a multitude of examples. But let's bring it home. I want you to think about us, where we stand today. Uh, I, I need some help for this illustration. My buddy Clark, can you come up here, bud? 
Now, what I'm going to do is show Clark an ancient relic. We talked about ancient words. Here we go. Clark, come over right over here so I can get you in the shot. Stand right there. This is the ancient relic. Now, question for you, Clark. Do you know what this is? A telephone. That's right. Very good. Okay, very smart. Okay. Now, second question. Do you know how to use that telephone? Okay. Why don't you know how to use that telephone? (laughs) Because it's old, he says. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Now, listen. By show of hands, how many of you in this room, and, and take the wide shot on this, Sarah, so we get everybody, everybody on, on the online poll here. How many of you, by show of hands, know how to use this phone? Right? How many of you sat there smoothly? A little bit condescendingly. Oh, Clark, you didn't know how to use a phone, huh? So my question is, How would he? Who told Clark how to use this phone? Who showed Clark how to use this phone? We can't blame Clark. Okay? Maybe Clark would ask you, well, how many of you know how to Instagram? I don't know. Are you on Instagram? No. No, not yet. Okay. You'll get there. We can't blame Clark, is my point. Because that's information someone told us and taught us. When I was Clark's age, my mom or dad showed me. You pick up the receiver and you hold it. And there's this weird thing called a dial tone. It's like, and it'll just stay like that until you do something with it. And then you put your finger in here and you dial. And here's my very first phone number, 799. Oh, the 9 was the worst. You had to dial all the way around. And then two, four, one. This is a long process, isn't it? It wasn't just like, hey, Siri, call Toby. And then you wait for the person to pick up, and then you have a conversation. Now, you can't really wander too much. You're kind of limited with this right here, but that's how you do it. And then when you're done, you say goodbye. Now, if you're, if you're really frustrated with them, you say goodbye, and then you slam it down. Now you know how to make a phone call. In in the 1970s, okay? (laughs) All right, thank you, Clark, for your help. My point is, we we can take an illustration like that. Oh, oh, Clark doesn't know how to use a telephone. Oh, oh boy, these kids today, they don't really know anything. And, And I say to you that there are some people, a generation, Growing up, that that is as foreign an object as that. They don't know how to use it. And we say, well, these kids today, that wasn't like when I was growing up. I mean, and we do the same thing. You say, yeah, well, somebody told you that, and somebody taught you that, and somebody showed you the way. But not this generation. And so our job is to show them not only what it says, but how to live it and why it matters. 
May, may, we, may we take that to heart and not just say, well, you know what? This generation doesn't use how to, know how to use this phone. Maybe, maybe we ought to take it a bit more seriously. And maybe we should take to heart the idea that there's a whole generation that's coming up just like the generation of judges. And here's the scary part. Some of that generation is in our own homes. What we do today is an attempt to bring this generation along in reminding them of what God did, why it's important, and how we can make an impact. And so may we rise to the call of Scripture May we hear the words from Psalm chapter 78, which is read this morning. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. I'm thinking a lot about the different ways in which God has worked in the story of Northsiders. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I called out Bailey Banning, and I was, I was thinking about how God worked in her story. And I was thinking about Joshua Oakley and how God worked in their story. We all know that, but there might be a generation coming up now that's Five, six, seven years old that never heard those stories. Great is the Lord, says Psalm 145, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. How do we do that? Well, the simple answer is we need someone to be a guide. In every movie, uh, every great movie anyway, there's this, there's this idea of a hero and a guide. Okay? Let me give a few examples. There's Yoda and Luke Skywalker okay, in Star Wars. Now, 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 Luke, he's always changing, but Yoda pretty much, even through all the movies, doesn't change very much. I know there's baby Yoda and all that, but, but in principle, he stays the same. He's... The guide, there's Professor, Professor Dumbledore and, and Harry Potter, okay? The, the, the sage of wisdom, helping Harry as he moves along. Here's, uh, this is the, an old school reference, Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid, okay? He was the guide to Daniel's son. Mr. Miyagi didn't change very much throughout that story. He knew the basics of where Daniel's son needed to go, but who had to change was the hero, was Daniel's son. What about Uncle Peter? Uh, Uncle Peter, Uncle, Uncle Ben and Peter Parker in Spider-Man. Okay? With great power comes great responsibility. Okay? Even in Batman, the story of Batman, this kind of this lone ranger who does everything, who comes to the rescue, who's by himself, who doesn't have any team members. Even he has the wisdom of his longtime family friend, Alfred. What about Gandalf and Frodo? In, in the story of the Lord of the Rings. Now, if you've, if you've noticed, a couple of the really good guides look a lot like Brian Middleton, don't they? There's Master Shifu and Poe in Kung Fu Panda. There's this dynamic between the hero and the guide. Okay? The hero doesn't know what he's 
designed to do. He doesn't know where he's supposed to go. He doesn't know if he has the courage to do it. And the guide is right there saying, you can do it. Just learn the basics. Just do the thing. Just go on the quest. That The guide is a consistent presence in the life of the hero. The guide is a constant advocate for the hero. Even when the hero gives up on him or herself, the guide never gives up. And the guide, most importantly, he's crucial. He's absolutely crucial to the success of the hero. And so today, we're going to do two things. Number one, we're going to pray for the next generation. There's a lot of things we can't control about the world that we're in, the generations to come. But there is one thing we can absolutely, positively do and should do, and we should repent if we're not doing. And that is to pray. To pray fervently for the next generation. And by the way, we're going to pray not just for the next generation. We're going to pray for those guiding the next generation. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to ask you, all of you here and all of you watching, to join us on the mission. To join us on the mission of guiding the next generation back to the Lord. Let's start with prayer. Our shepherds are going to be leading us in these prayers today, specifically for the next generation and for those guiding the next generation. Our first group that we're going to pray for are our parents and grandparents. Now, you're the first group of people that God puts in the lives of the next generation. And you have a lifelong influence. Now, everybody else is going to come and go. Parents and grandparents will be steadfast throughout their lives. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. So, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you're here this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you're watching from home, I know it's a little weird, but I'm going to ask you to please stand as well. And by the way, if you're watching from home, I'm going to ask children to place their hands on the shoulders of their parents and grandparents. As one of our shepherds, James Wilson, will now come And pray for the parents and grandparents. Let's pray together. Dear God, we come before you today praising you because you are our Father. Because of your love for us, we have a glimpse of what fatherhood should be, what the love and care of our children should be. Some of those children, blessings from you, have reached school age. We bring before you now their parents. Father, these are unprecedented times for all of us. One of the major impacts is the schooling of our children. School districts and private schools have to make difficult decisions based on factors that can be in conflict with each other. My prayer, Father, is that our parents work with those schools for the best outcomes, offer their opinions when asked, about what they think best for the education of their children. Participate in other ways in the decision-making processes that the schools have to go through. But once those decisions are made, Father, our prayer is that you be with the parents as they support their children in whatever setting the school has chosen. Be with the grandparents in this school situation. There may be grandparents called upon to help during the school day because parents need to work. They may be called on to provide support in other ways. Bless them, Father, in those efforts. Father, we just ask that you be with the parents and grandparents of our children during the coming school year. Give them the encouragement and support that they need. We ask these things in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. 
Amen. Thank you, James. Uh, Next, we're going to pray for our teachers and our influencers. You may feel underappreciated, but your impact should not be underestimated. Uh, especially in this weird year, uh, whether you're uh, teaching public, private, homeschool, uh, administration, para, bus drivers, all of that we realize has an extra set of challenges this year. And we want to call you and challenge you to emulate 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We believe you are in the role that you're in for such a time as this, and we call you to rise to the occasion. One of our shepherds, now uh, Brent Clothier, will come and pray. If you are a teacher or influencer, uh, if you're a teacher or influencer in any way, please stand, and uh, we'd ask you to stand at home as well if you're involved in the school system in any way. Brent, he'll pray for the influencers. Would you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, we approach your throne of grace, acknowledging you as the God of creation. Father, we know that by your hand the stars were placed in the heavens. You're a merciful, loving God, and we exalt you, Father, over every aspect of our lives. Father, we're lifting up our teachers, bus drivers, paras, substitute teachers, and all the adults that have a daily opportunity to build up our children. We thank you for these precious souls who are involved in teaching, encouraging, guiding, influencing our children. This school year will be like no other, and it will have its share of challenges. Please be with the group, uh, this group as they deal with the struggles that this year will present. Give them strength, Father, to set a good example for our children in these difficult times. We lift these dedicated people up to you, Father, to encourage them as they start the new school year. Help them to remember every day that the work they do is critical to the individual children, families, our church family, and our nation. Father, we ask that you protect them each day, particularly during this time of the coronavirus. Let each one of these people be at their best each day, encouraged and ready to make a difference in the lives of the children in whatever way that is presented. Give these people patience and wisdom as they deal with the children. Be with the educators and help them teach our children to think objectively, to not be afraid of making mistakes. Failure is part of life, and dealing with setbacks is an opportunity to grow. Father, some children that these people work with may not have another stable role model. Let these people be the salt and light that these children so desperately need in their lives. Give these men and women the endurance they need every day of the school year to meet the challenges, encourage the children, if necessary, to protect them. Father, one last thing, we, we lift these people up to you. We pray that they will be prayer warriors for the children that they are working with, lifting the kids up to you by name each day. We thank you, Father, for your precious son, his death on the cross, his example of obedience unto death, and we pray that you will help us to be more like him every day, surrendering our whole complete body, mind, and soul to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brent. Our third group will be our uh, students, our kindergarten through sixth graders. If we have any kindergarten through sixth graders here this morning, I would ask you guys to stand. Uh, And if you are watching from home and you're in kindergarten through sixth grade, you'll be in kindergarten through sixth grade, please stand and 
have your parents, grandparents, whoever's with you that's an adult, put their hands upon your shoulders. And we're going to pray for you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. It's one of the first and most basic but most important parts of your journey is to learn to obey your parents because they love you and they, ought, and they want to see you in heaven with them someday and they want what's best for you. Craig Greenwood, one of our shepherds, will now pray over you in the coming school year. And so we'll ask Craig to do that this time. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our unchanging God, the creator of life itself, we give you glory and honor today. We're grateful for each of these children from kindergarten through the sixth grade that you've blessed with life. Father, we're thankful for each parent, grandparent, foster parent, guardian, relative, neighbor, or friend that has been a positive influence on them, the very people who have shaped them to this point. Today, we especially pray for each one of these children that they will be taught, led, and inspired by teachers, educators, and staff this school year so that they will grow and mature as you would desire them to do. Bless all of these influences with a strong desire to continue preparing these children for a life of dedication and service to you. For all of Northside, help us to be mindful of the influence and godly wisdom that we can share with them each week this year by our example, through prayer, by our teaching, and by being dedicated prayer partners. Father, please keep these children safe from anyone who would seek to harm them in any way. Help all of these children to desire to grow physically, mentally, and spiritually this year. May they always seek to know more of your word and choose to live in your ways. We pray this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Craig. Our next group will be our 7th through 12th graders, our youth group. We have a few of our youth group here this morning. I ask you to stand. If uh, if you're a 7th through 12th grader and you're watching from home, we'd ask you to stand as well, and your parents can can place their hands on your shoulders. Uh, We are reminded of the importance of this group, and um, there's a uh, a story or a verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. Now, the age that Jesus was, when that verse was uh, commenting about him, it would have been right about the time he was ready for his seventh grade welcome. Pretty close. So, the Bible, is this is the last point before Jesus reaches the age of 30, and it reminds us that Jesus was growing intentionally and purposefully. As you all grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man, I want you to know that we are praying for you. Clayton, if you'll come and pray over uh, this special group of teenagers at this time. It's good, our Father, in prayer. Lord, we come before your glorious throne this morning, recognizing you as our Creator, our God, and our Lord and Savior. We come before you in a time that our world, our country, and our local community is going through many changes. In all that is going on in our physical world, I want to take a moment to present a special request before your throne. And that request concerns our teens, our seventh graders through our seniors. As these young men and women begin to enter a new school year with many unknowns, I pray today for your spirit to be upon each one of them. 
I pray the words from Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Help each one of these young men and women not to focus on the physical struggles of this world right now, but to focus on you. That you may be the wind beneath their wings, that you may lift them to heights they could never have imagined, and that they may share your love with those around them. Because of that hope they have, may they be prepared, prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks them for the reason for the hope that they have. They will probably have many classmates that they haven't seen since March of this year. Many who are still trying to process all that has happened in the world. And in that, may have many opportunities to witness to the power and hope they have in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, may your spirit rest upon them and give them the strength and the words to share your love. I pray that you put a head of protection around each of our teens as they struggle with so many things is a part of growing and learning. Help them to always know that they have a church family as well as their physical family that is always here to pray for them, to encourage them through these maturing years. Lord, we love and care for each and every one of these young men and women and pray they will continue to grow and mature in their relationship with you. Lord, we lift this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Clayton. We have uh, one more group, and this is a new one this year that we're trying to to incorporate into this, and I hope that this will uh, help them to understand how much they mean to us. But we're going to pray for our college students. And if we have any here this morning, in just a moment, ask you all to stand. Uh, college is a, can be a, a tumultuous time, can, especially these days. Um, and this is a time when many of our, of our students um, will either grow deeper in their faith or walk away from it. And as we observe that as a church, we want to be intentional about uh, praying for this group. So Gandalf, sorry, Brian Middleton will now pray for this generation, and, uh, and we pray over you. Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God, King of the universe, author of life, we come to you now on behalf especially of those who have finished with their high school and are bound for their post-high school studies. We know it's a time of life where the pace of change can increase, Changes can quicken and the changes can grow bigger. It's a time when they're finishing the bridge from childhood to adulthood and with those changes provide opportunities. Opportunities for growth, for maturation, but also opportunities for the evil one to help them to slip. They'll make decisions now that will have lifelong or even eternal consequences. God, we pray for those decisions, that they lean on the Holy Spirit, they rely on the Bible.
for guidance. And remember the classes, the sermons, the teachings from parents and teachers that they have had to make wise and careful decisions that honor you. They'll have new experiences, God, that will shake the foundations of what they consider normal and right, what they have learned. And we pray that in those times they remember the experiences they have had where you have shown yourself strong for them. God, we know they will discover that living for you can be harder than it has been in the past. We pray they retain their faith that through the difficulties and trials that will come, they will see your hands in all of their life. They will stand strong and have your courage. As they continue to physically mature, help them to continue, continue to spiritually mature. They can be your missionaries to even wider audience in a lost and dying world and teach others of your love and care, expanding your kingdom. Pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I should mention before we move past that, we do have a college-age ministry, and um, uh, I believe Brendan Weathers is taking the helm at that, and uh, you are watching online, and you're looking for a a group of college students to connect to here locally. Uh, Reach out to us. Comment on uh, Facebook comments or send us an email. We'll be glad to connect you with that group. They're very active in serving and and, uh, having devotionals and Bible studies Uh, Lots of good work happening in that ministry, and you are certainly invited, if you're a college student, to be a part of that ministry. Well, beyond praying today, what is next? How else can we help? We've prayed collectively, and I hope sincerely. Uh, This is the part where we address the other 364 days of the year. Uh, We need your help in doing that. Uh, We... At Northside, if you don't know, every student from kindergarten through 12th grade receives a prayer pal, one adult who has agreed to faithfully, daily pray individually for that person. And we need about 125 of those this year. Now, um, whether that will happen or not, entirely up to you and entirely up to you watching. Whether you're going to reply to the email or drop a form in the box on your way out, you will decide whether the next generation matters. Ephesians chapter 3 says, uh, And to him be uh, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the powers that work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Now, I want you to think for just a minute. Um, Are you really committed to that? Do you want to be a part of that? If you do, we've got a place for you. Now, on the email, and uh, if you picked one up as you came in, we have these these forms, okay? And you probably, if you've been at Northside long enough, know the deal. And that's kind of the problem. You know, that's kind of the deal. Is it like, oh, well, it's back to school Sunday. Somebody, I'm sure, will sign up. I don't really need to do it. No, I really hope you you will take one of these and sincerely think about uh, who you're going to have as a prayer pal. On the back of that is a list okay, of all of our students. Now, if, if a student's name is not on there, it means a couple, one of two things. Either one, they and their prayer pal have already signed up for another year. That's one option. Second is, you're not a, you're, 
the family's not a member at Northside. We have to t- kind of draw the limit somewhere, and so that's kind of how we do it. Um, if you'd like to change that, we can help you come talk to me. Um, but uh, grab a form or reply to the email. Uh, you just say, I'm in, and, and tell us who you want to uh, have a prayer pal. Obviously, we can't honor every request. We try to, but um, we just uh, need to say that up front. So I, I want to call you and all of you to, to rise to the occasion, to be the person in Clark's life that will say, you know what, Clark, this matters. He matters. This matters. And um, I hope that you'll rise to the occasion. So fill out the form, reply to the email. We'd really like for you to do that today. We really would. Uh, knowing how people are, they'll let the email sink down. I understand some people have thousands of unread emails, okay? Pick that one and reply to it, okay? Be a, be a part of it. Grab the form on your way out. Fill it out today. Do it right now. Um, then, secondly, wait for the assignments, okay? We've got to get everybody matched up, and we don't want everybody jumping the gun, um, and we'll get those out as soon as we can. It would be awesome, by the way, if Sandy and Becky had 150 emails sitting in their inbox tomorrow morning. And they could mail those out at the end of the week. That would be phenomenal. I don't know if that will happen or not. It's up to you. It's up to you if you're going to decide right now whether you care enough about the next generation to be a prayer warrior for them. We're going to have a couple of uh, resources. This is one from a couple of years ago. It had uh, a daily kind of a scripture a, a topic to pray for your prayer pal. Sometimes you think, well, what do I pray every day? And this is a, a little guide. To that. We'll have something along those lines for you to help you with that. So uh, we just want you to wait for those assignments. And then once we, you get that letter in the mail, make sure to connect with them. FaceTime them, Zoom, the text message, however you want to do it, and just say, hey, we're prayer pals this year. You may not be able to meet out here in the foyer to do that. But I hope that you'll connect with them when that assignment is made. And then the fourth part, and this is the most important part, is to pray faithfully. Now, we've been doing prayer pals long enough. There are some prayer, prayer pals who just, I mean... When I see them, I go, I, I feel ashamed. I, I just, they're doing, they have craft camps and they're doing special events and special things and all sorts of, and, and some of that honestly makes people think, I can't be a prayer pal. We're not asking you to do all that. Nothing wrong with doing all of that. We're not asking you. What we're asking you to do is one simple thing, to be diligent and faithfully praying for another student. Now, let me tell you why that matters. I said we need 125 but we really need one. Last year, about this time, I uh, was driving uh, Tyler to school. Tyler, I, I think it was just Tyler. And we were in the truck together. And he was starting a new school last year. And I could tell he was, he was having a lot of nerves. I mean, he was you know, going to his freshman year, and it, it was a big change at this point in the game. We were talking about that, and I'm kind of, it's not really going anywhere. And all of a sudden, as we're cruising down Kellogg, uh, Tyler's phone rings. And it's Jim Weathers, who's Tyler's prayer pal. And Jim offered to pray and prayed with Tyler in that moment. And that meant more in that one simple prayer than all of the, the lecturing and the pep talking that Dad was giving to that point. Do you understand in that moment, with my son, the prayer pal meant the world. 
There's a lot of people watching, oh, I wish I had that for my kid, I wish I had that for my grandkid. Okay, that's, we're going to get that. But my question to you is, are you willing to be that? Are you willing to be the person that makes the call, that sends the text? Jim's been so good and so faithful as a prayer pal. And that's all we're asking for, is someone who's diligent and faithful and serious about the call to pray for the next generation. Some people say, well, it doesn't really make a difference. It reminds me of the sand dollar story. A young boy and his grandfather were walking down the beach. A storm had come through the previous night and had washed up all of these sand dollars on the shore. And they lay there washed up and dying in the sun. You know, a sand dollar needs to be in the water to, to live, and they were just beached there on the beach. And so as they were walking, the grandfather would stop, and he would reach down and chuck a sand dollar back in the ocean. And the grandson said, Granddad, what, why are you throwing it back in the ocean? And the grandfather said, well, well so, they, so they can live. And, and the grandson looked at the, the, the beach that was ahead of them, the, the thousands upon thousands of, of sand dollars in front of him and his grandfather. And he said, Grandfather, what possible difference can it make? What possible difference can it make? There's no way we'll reach all of them. What possible difference can it make? And as the grandfather reached down and grabbed another sand dollar and chucked it toward the horizon, he said, it makes all the difference in the world to that one. May you and I take seriously the, the call that God has given us to be difference makers for the next generation. Be faithful, diligent, prayerful people. We believe that prayer works because God works. And this morning as we end the, the message, obviously we've given you the challenge, and I hope that you'll take it. I hope you've got your form ready right now. If you drop it in the lockbox on your way out, I hope you've already replied to the email or that you will today and say, I'm in. I'm willing to make a difference. And if you have another spiritual need and our, our shepherds can pray for you in a public way or you need to put on Christ, our shepherds are at the back. And during this next song, you, as we stand and sing, you can head toward the back, meet with one of our shepherds, and they'll figure out the best way to help you, okay? So if they want to pray for you personally or, or bring this to the congregation or you want to be baptized into Christ to begin your journey with Christ, you can do that this morning. Whatever your need might be, uh, may we... Consider it together, and may we act on it now as together we stand and sing.